Best Pinball Podcast. It's this one, right? We're going to win the Twippy Award for Best Pinball Podcast this Friday because all of you who listened went and voted for me, right? Now, I still think Nate Shivers is probably going to win it. Welcome to episode 193 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I've been a busy man. You probably have noticed that in the last few weeks, our cadence of podcast, it has decreased. We're no longer doing like two to three shows every week. And I always said, I, I want to do this show when I, when I feel like doing it, when I feel like there's news and I feel like there is stuff to cover. And I think all of us in the pinball world have noticed that this time of year, like things start to slow down. It's the buildup to Texas Pinball Festival where things start to heat up again. But that doesn't mean there's not news. It doesn't mean that you guys out there are not thinking about pinball. Uh, I've been traveling for work. I just got back from from Santa Barbara. And as you know, uh, some of you may know, there are no direct flights from Santa Barbara to New York. So I've had some long, long days. Was pitching some new business, uh, was at airports and on planes. I probably spent about, within a three-day period, about 20 hours on planes and in airports for a one-hour meeting. So it drained me. It drained me. But I did manage to get up a podcast for you guys on that trip. Um, But I'm back. And Brenda and I, we had an engagement party last night, which was a lot of fun. I feel like I've been drinking and eating like shit since Thanksgiving. I'm still, like, working out as much as I can. I don't know how you guys who, like, just eat crap do it because doesn't your body just like start to feel so bad i mean that that's how mine is like as i get older i can't even recover from a hangover like after if i drink two days in a row i'm, I'm destroyed for a week anyway you don't want to hear about my hangover my eating issues you want to hear about pinball so here's what we're going to do on this episode of of canada's pinball podcast we're going to go down what's going on in the hobby with the different manufacturers and we're just going to go down a list of things that I know you are probably talking about, speculating about, and thinking about when you think about pinball. Uh, so I want to cover off on the manufacturers. I also want to just give you guys a real quick, maybe five minute, how I really feel about getting rid of Magic Girl. Now that I'm fully paid and I've received full payment, I want to tell you what I really think about the game and the man behind it. Okay, I want to give my honest, honest assessment of the game. Uh, then... I want to go to bed. All right, so let's let's jump right into it. So here here are the big things going on in pinball, and here's sort of my observation. So number one on my list is American pinball, and I really do think that American pinball has a golden opportunity to strike right now. I, I think if you look at the window, the window to get Houdini out into market, this is the perfect window. Because there is nothing else shipping right now that is sort of setting the world on fire. Right? We're going to talk a little bit later on about Gardens of the Galaxy and what's going on with that title. But that game is not setting the world on fire. 
Um, Star Wars, I think everyone who wants a Star Wars has a Star Wars. I, I, I doubt there's tons of new orders flying in for Star Wars. We still have a window to get Pirates of the Caribbean out, right? Monster Bash remake, not announced yet. I think the next couple months, if these guys can really ramp up and get games out, this is their window. Now, I got an email from friend of the show, Josh Kugler. And Josh, thank you always for reaching out. And Josh, as you know, is coding uh, Houdini. And he is an, an integral part of the American pinball team. And, and I think Josh is just like this amazingly transparent communicator. So many of you know what's going on with Houdini, with American pinball, because of Josh. Josh understands one very simple principle. Communication within a niche hobby where thousands of potential buyers reside on message boards and forums is critical. If you want to operate in pinball and just go silent to the community, you're not going to be very successful unless your name is Stern Pinball. Stern knows they don't really have to bother going onto the forums because Stern is the only company that actually ships machines consistently. And, and I think they understand when to use and not to use social media. But Josh is always on there. He's keeping everyone up to date. Uh, and I said that, you know, I thought when they shipped only one Houdini out in the end of January, that it was a little bit of a PR move. I also said that if they can't get volume high enough, people are going to move on because they're not going to want to wait around for a long time. Now, I have a little bit of a news update. Josh let me know that when they ramp up production, Really, and we, we that that word has been the, the, that phrase has been so overused in pinball. But we'll give them the benefit of the doubt when they ramp up production. Josh is telling me that they will be able to make over a hundred games a month. All right. Now I want to use what he his exact words to me. Uh, they will be able to do more than a hundred a month, um, but he would expect to be well above that number. Okay. So take it. With a grain of salt, producing your first machine as a pinball manufacturer, not easy. We give them credit. The game is out. It's, it's out in public. The other thing that it sounds like is happening with them, and I said this would be a problem. I said it. They have too many distributors who signed up. And what happens then is you get into the political nightmare of you now owe games to all these different distributors because they've all taken $250 you know, deposits and their customers want their games. Now, how do you allocate Houdini machines now? Who gets the most? Is it the distributor that's the largest or do you want each distributor to get a game? It's not easy to figure it out and I think what they've done is the distributors that could actually drive and pick up the machines are getting the first ones allocated. But if you bought a Houdini, you have absolutely no idea when you're getting your game. Uh, and that's the difficult part. It's the real difficult part of this whole thing. And look, I'm, I'm curious as to how patient people will be to wait for a pinball machine. And again, I think the window for these guys, they have to get machines out before Pirates of the Caribbean starts shipping and Monster Bash Remake and Iron Maiden. You know, like there's a, there's a wave of new titles coming. So I think it's a good window for them. But look, 
I look forward to seeing people unbox the game. The number one thing people are going to be looking for when they open up their Houdini is the quality there. Are there any issues with the game? Out of the box, what does it play like? Because there's nothing more frustrating. It doesn't matter if you're a new manufacturer or an old one. You spend a lot of money on these things. You want them to work. And you want them to almost work perfectly. In fact, everyone wants it to be perfect out of the box. The majority of people who buy new in-box pinball machines don't want to fix switches. They don't want to have mechanical errors. They don't. They want the game to work. And they deserve it to work because every pinball company out there should have good quality control and testing before a game goes into a box. Now, nothing is a guarantee. It's a 300-pound machine bouncing around a truck on its way to your house. So you might expect some issues. But for the most part, I think the quality of this machine early on is going to be critical. All right. So speaking of quality of the initial batch of machines, let's move on to Highway Pinball. In Highway Pinball, this continues to be the same sort of story. And the story being that people who are waiting for refunds are still not getting refunds. But lo and behold, there's a new code update. And I've said it from the very beginning when these new investors took the reins that they were going to do everything in their power to try and win the race. And the race to them was simple. Can we get games out fast enough and get the word of mouth that it's worth waiting for? Can we win that race versus the race for people to get a refund? I've always recommended people get refunds because I still, to this day, believe that nobody at this point Nobody should be insecure about where their money is. And if they're going to succeed, let them succeed with their own money and not yours. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. For you LE owners out there, the pain continues to hang over you. You still don't know when you're going to get a game. And I want to read something that, um, it, is it Morgan over at Highway Pinball? I want to read what he told an LE owner last week or a few days ago when asked, when am I going to get my alien LE? All right. You, you would think by now these guys um, would have some sort of understanding of production cadence. They have 500 LEs to make. And so you think they would know, all right, like your LE is this number and we're going to get to that number on this date. And then it's going to be put on a ship or in a crate and make its way to coin taker or directly to you. So this gentleman, uh, he ordered his alien LE uh, October of 2016. So this is what Morgan said. Thank you for contacting us today and thank you for the support of our company. We are hard at work here at Highway Pinball to get machines produced and into the hands of customers across the world as soon as possible. I do not have specific update on your machine at the moment and can instead say that we are aiming to get machines produced and out ASAP. I thank you from all the team here at Highway and we hope to be in contact again soon with more substantial information for you. All right. So that was communication that I, I think happened even like last week or a couple days ago. And so here's the thing. 
here's the thing. And again, like this is up for you LE guys to decide what your options are, if you even think you have options. But the fact that we are now in January of 2018, you know, which is a good like six plus months since these new investors have taken over the company. And in that six months, they still don't know like when people are going to get their machines. And it has to be really frustrating. It has to continue to raise the red flags that they still just are kind of winging it. And they're doing it like one game at a time, one game at a time. But it's, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is the quality there, right? I still, when I read the alien thread, it's hard for me not to feel like the thread is the following. It just sounds like the same 20 dudes talking to each other. Most of them don't even have their machines yet. And it's all of them just hoping and praying they're going to get their machine. There's a lot of justification for how great the machine is. The people who buy it, they really have no other way to vocalize their their purchase other than to like overly glorify the machine. And then I just read this. I, as I was collecting notes, someone just opened up an alien pinball. And this is Pinside user Weir Pinball from Middletown, Ohio. And he's warming, he warms it up to room temperature. He says, before I turn it on and update the code, is there a list of common stuff to check? I did a visual on the connectors, only found one loose and one solenoid wire that came off. Um, and Ted basically said, you should check everything. So he, he turns on his brand new alien pinball machine. And he says, so far, ball won't launch up the ramp, hits it and comes back to the kicker. Ball won't go into the mouth, hits alien jaw and falls off. High pitch sound when I hold the left flipper. Nothing like a high pitch sound when you hold the left flipper. That's, that's the sound of Andrew Highway screaming. Um, truff, or tro kicker was too strong and ball trough. I always say this word wrong. And, and ball will bounce right back into the, the trough. There's a tro. Man, I got to just like remember this word. He fixed that. So look, at some point, at some point, the fact of the matter is these games have issues. They ship with issues. They're clearly not they're clearly not quality tested where they should be. They're probably rushing games out. And also like the long journey from the UK. I don't care what anybody says. Coming all the way from the UK to the US with a pinball machine, the more bumps, the more ocean swells, the more trucks it goes in and out of, the more hands that touch it there's a greater likelihood something will happen with the game, okay? So that's where we're at. People aren't getting their money back. The games that are shipping are having issues. And if you're an LE owner, you have no choice other than to stay on the painful weight. So that's Alien Pinball. I, again, I still predict these guys will go under. I think they're, my prediction is they're going to show it queen at TPF and people are just going to roll their eyes and never give them a pre-order dollar. And honestly, let's be honest for a moment, dear listener of the show, Queen Pinball is not going to be the title that gets these guys out of the red. It's just not. Bad marketing. I think this whole company has been ill-conceived. These guys would be better off fold and close Highway Pinball 
and reopen, if they want to reopen under a new name and a whole new approach and go get normal Bally Williams style cabinets, ditch the whole modular thing, ditch like Queen as the next theme, ditch everything, start over. They need a complete rehaul. And I think they're going to try and salvage Highway Pinball. And I think that's a mistake. I do. I do. I think it's time to move on. All right. Let's move on to Stern Pinball. So Stern Pinball, there's there's like, this is like what I know this is going on. Well, first and foremost, I want to let you guys know that Iron Maiden is 100% going to be the next game that comes out. I, I, I know I like dance around this stuff. It's coming out. It's next. It's Zombie Eddie and it's Keith Elwin. All right. Exciting. Exciting stuff if you like iron maiden which is not me which is nobody i know but look i've said it before this band has sold tens of millions of albums they have millions and millions of fans i just don't happen to know any of them (laughs) so if you are a fan though you have to be excited by this news now the thing that like is the big question mark and i'm noticing more and more this is the big question mark is who's going to code the game? Is it going to be Lonnie? Is it going to be Dwight? Is it going to be Lyman? You know, and look, I, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine it being Lyman Sheets. I, I really can't. The rumor is that Lyman's next game will be Elvira. He's not done with Batman. Elvira's not coming out in 2018. Okay, I can confirm that. You will not see Elvira anytime in 2018. So that does make me curious. Does Lyman have time to code a game after Batman before Elvira? Because here's the real problem with Elvira and the way they fucked up the announcement of it. It was never supposed to be announced. The game could be so early on, it's not even funny. Elvira might not come out until like October of 2019. That could be when we see it. And now that's almost like two years since he started on Batman. So I think there might be a window where he does code another game. So I wouldn't rule it out. But if the real thing is this, and this is, this is like the unspoken yet spoken thing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the camp of the only Stern machines worth owning are machines that are coded by Lyman Sheets. I, I think it's, it's, it's come to that point where he's the only one who really, really has coding down to a science that makes everyone else's efforts seem a little bit average, a little bit mediocre. And it's just, it's amazing what he can do with a game. And I think no one would disagree. Now, I think it's kind of strange that we can't hire new coders or programmers to follow in the footsteps of Lyman Sheets, right? I mean, Stern is the biggest company in the world. Why don't they hire a coder for Lyman to train to be his predecessor. I think we're at that point. I mean, come on, Stern. Hire a guy. Pay him 75000 a year, 80000 a year. Your job is to become the next Lyman. You're going to shadow him. We're going to pay you. You're going to learn the art of coding amazing pinball. And then imagine that. Imagine if they had like three young Lyman Sheets replacements that learned from him. And I think the problem nowadays is the institutional knowledge of how to code a game and make it great, it isn't being passed on to anyone. It, it isn't. You know, there's a lot of like speculation about, well, will, will, will Keith Elwin even help 
with the coding of Iron Maiden since he's such a good player. He understands rule sets and all that jazz. But I'll say this, the magic in good code, it's not just rule sets. It's a balance, right? It's a dance between the software, the hardware, the scoring, the emotion, the music, the visuals. It, it is all of those things have to come together to make that magic happen. And just nobody does it better than Lyman. I think the second best coder in the world is definitely Keith. But Keith's gotten sort of overboard with like qual- quantity versus quality. Like just too many modes in like the, the Hobbit. Like just too much going on. He, they need to like simplify it a little bit. But Keith is great too. He's, he, I think what Keith needs is just an awesome theme to work with. And I don't think we're going to get it until... I don't know. I don't know if Pirates is going to be that way. I mean, Pirates seems like another one with like code overkill, like 120 something modes. You never play the same mode twice. There's random selection of modes. Like, do people want to randomly select their game? I don't know. I kind of like going in with a strategy and being able to pick. All right. So that is, that's what's going on with, um, you know, Iron Maiden. And so look, the other thing that's happening with Stern right now, and I, I just, if you read the forum, it's kind of getting really nasty and negative. They're, they're, everyone is just down and out on Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I don't think I've seen a title come out recently that just has so little enthusiasm for it. And then the people who buy it are like, I actually like it, you know? And like, I guess there's so much hate coming from the sidelines of this game. Uh, but our friend Jeff over at the Pinball Podcast, I mean, he broke it down. I mean, he he didn't just break it down. He, like, dropped the hammer on why, like, this game is, like, just shitty and doesn't deserve your dollars. I mean, and I, I don't I don't have his email pulled up here or, or his post, but, I mean, it, it's, I think what everyone's been thinking, it's like an uninspired copycat, copycat layout. The rules are just sh- copycats of Aerosmith, so nothing original there. Uh, it's got like the most imbalanced scoring in any game where the easiest things to do in the game give you the highest points. So you take you, you take the challenging route and you make more less points. Um, but the big issue seems to be like the theme integration just seems to be like these clips are just thrown up there with no rhyme or reason. Like stuff's happening on the screen that doesn't synchronize with the game at all. And it just seems to be so disjointed like where Stern... They got the assets, but then they just like didn't integrate them. And it just seems like they are layered on top of a pinball machine without any true rhyme or reason. You know, you have sounds going on in the game and sounds happening on the screen that don't reflect what, what's going on with the actual pinball experience. And, and I think we're at the point now where people have had so many good pinball experiences that when you get it wrong, like you really get it wrong. Like people have no, um, they're not gonna like, like accept something that is just a half-ass effort in terms of integrating a theme into the pinball machine. So that's where Guardians is at right now. I mean, there's not a lot of Guardians love out there. There's not. And I keep hearing there's like a terrible implementation of the magnet. It just sort of throws the ball into the outlane. I don't know. Maybe that's just someone setting it up poorly. But there's just not the enthusiasm for this game that I think Stern thought there would be. I As I've said, I don't think they're going to come close to selling 600 LEs of this machine. I think the WWE armor 
will continue to be the bane of Gary Stern's existence. He'll never get rid of it. He'll never get rid of this armor. It's going to end up being on everything moving forward just to get rid of it. Um, so that's that's what's happening, man. Stern's sort of like in this weird place because I definitely think Stern is going to have a, 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 a sales decline, they're not going to have 40% growth in 2018. Not with the titles they have slated for 2018. There is no way they're going to have it. All right. Now, speaking of stern quality, I had to lift the playfield on my Batman 66 because I was, I was having two issues with my game. One issue was with uh, the Batcave spinner on the turntable. The ball gets hung up on hung up there sometimes. There's, it creates like almost like a little lip where the the spinner is sitting just a little bit higher than the, the 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 area behind it, which the ball can get hung up on, and you can nudge the machine and it can come out. Um, so there's that issue. The other issue I was having since day one was the Batman crane. It was it would like never sit on the insert properly, and whenever it would swing out to the left, it would always like swing out to the left and then swing back to the right like it was loose the crane it wasn't it wasn't like i could move the crane a good almost like four inches back and forth when it was supposed to be on one spot and when i realized and i i, I was trying to troubleshoot this and this is always a problem not having pin side i couldn't ask people's opinions but i actually thought the mechanism was really easy to work on and i worked on it myself basically the way the mech works is that crane is moved by a, a, a rubber um, pulley, right? It's like a rubber, oh God, is, I don't even think pulley is the right word, but it's, it's, a, it's a, like a rubber belt, okay? It's a rubber belt that's between the motor and the, and the mechanism. And there's about, I would say, maybe four to five inches between where the pulley is attached or the belt's attached to the belt drive, right? So the teeth of, uh, of the motor and then the mech. And what I realized is there was just too much slack in the belt and it was slipping. And that was, that's what was causing it to sort of swing out and then come back. And it, I saw that the mech on the left, the motor part, you could actually unscrew it and you could move it to the left so that would create more tension and get a tighter, make the belt tighter. And I did that. And it worked perfectly. Brenda helped me sort of hold it in the last position while I, because you can see w w on the board when it's at each location of the insert. And she held it at the final, like, top position. And then I tightened it. I pushed the mech apart as much as I could to get a really nice tightness between it. And now it works perfect. I'm super happy. Super happy. Now, the turntable getting to that bat cape spinner. It's not easy. I don't think I have the right tool to do it um, because you know you have to rotate the turntable and then you have to sort of, I can't get to the screw. To, there's like three screws that I apparently help you lower and raise that bat cave. And what I don't want to do is start taking apart that turntable. It, it is a ginormous mechanism. I get nervous every time I go near it. It's also nerve-wracking too because when you lift your playfield, that turntable is like held down by gravity. So when it's when the playfield is up, uh, it, it it sort of shifts up a little bit, and then when you go to like turn the turntable with your 
your, your diagnostic menu, it won't turn the turntable because the cogs are not touching. And it like freaked me out. I was like, oh, fuck, did I break it? No, it has to sit. It needs the weight of that mech to sit down to be able to turn. But I'll say this. I'd rather nudge my machine a little bit than start tearing my turn you know the turntable apart now for those of you out there who have a batman were you able to lower and raise the bat cape spinner without doing much work if you were please hit me up at canadapinball.com and show me how you did it or you can do this you can post on pinside hey canada had a problem with his batman and i know he can't post it here but could someone help and that would be greatly appreciated. Um, but I really need to, I know the three screws to go at, but can you get at them without having to take anything else off of the turntable? Okay, that's my question. All right. So anything else going on with Stern Pinball right now? No, we're all waiting for Iron Maiden. So Jersey Jack, Jersey Jack Pinball, we're all waiting for Pirates. I think this game is going to be, an interesting game. I think releasing it at Expo, now that we've all seen it, right? Don't you feel like it was a mistake to do it? Don't you? Can't you can, Can't you guys understand the importance of marketing and timing? And Jack wanted to own Expo. And what did Gary Stern do? Go ahead. You can have Expo. Because all that did was hurt Jack. I mean, it's the most, like, it's kind of like a genius move that Stern just decided to bail on Expo altogether. Because think about it, the only person that Jack hurt by revealing it early was himself, was dialed in sales. And I really do feel like it must have created almost like a, a halt on a lot of dialed in purchases. So, and now we've seen the game for six months. It's, it's on YouTube, it's videos, it's this and that. You know, we haven't seen how the code progresses. But you really do only get one chance to make a first impression. And the hype surrounding the launch of a new pinball machine, it's super important. It, if you don't think hype is important, you're wrong. I mean, it is. On any non-essential toy, making you want to write a big check to somebody, it's like it, these are all somewhat impulse buys. They are. And you want to allow people to separate from their money at the moment they're the most excited because they just saw it and they have to have it. And we all fall victim to that. Oh my God, I need to have it. It's brand new. They're going to sell out of the collector's editions. See, that's the problem with Jack and all this stuff is he's got these collector's editions. I'm in on one. It's $1,000, fully refundable. 200 are going to be made. Well, now those guys have had six to eight months to think about if they really, really need a $12,500 version of the game. People were clamoring to get on the list when it was revealed. You know, but you wait too long. People have too much time to think about it. People might have spent that money elsewhere. It, it doesn't just mean pinball. You know, that money could have gone to a house renovation, to a new car, to some jewelry for people's wives. Taxes might not go the way people think they're going to go. Like all the other reasons why, you know, you might lose out on that sale. So you, as a marketer, you want to shorten the distance between reveal and selling. You don't want to make it bigger. And I think Jack is, has, has, has to learn that. I think he has to learn that. The other thing, you know, when we talk about marketing and we talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, for the life of me, I can't understand 
why pirates? Like, why now? And when you read Jack's interview, there was a good one that was posted on This Week in Pinball. I really feel like the, the, the main reason why he did it is that when he worked at Stern, he sold six to 700 Pirates machines to customers, and he saw how popular it was. And, and I really do believe that he just felt like he can catch lightning in a bottle again, and the same thing will happen all over for him. And so clearly he's got the better machine than the Stern version, but is it a theme that people want and that's going to be the big thing it continues to be the achilles heel of jersey jack pinball it's a great machine it's a great machine but i'll say this the onus is now on keith to do something amazing with this game i mean it's all on keith i mean eric did his job he the the play field has got a lot of magic going on but knowing that the theme can't be integrated the way people would want means they need to work some magic with how they do integrate it with the code, with the music, everything. And it's an uphill battle. It's going to be an uphill battle. Uh, But I look forward to seeing the game. It's going to come out in a few months and where the code is progressed. But look, I've I've said it before. I really think Jersey Jack should be hitting me up. I, I, I would have Jack releasing titles that would sell out immediately. Would no, no questions asked sell out immediately. All right. Let's talk about oh, let's talk about Homepin. So they had an update. Homepin said, "We are almost finished uh, the build of two final sample machines. These are flushing out a few small issues that we need to tweak before we make a full production run. Some small changes to mechanisms to improve the operation and proving the final version of all the boards used. We are also making the final assembly jigs. Things like the wiring harness frame. There is a lot of work doing this, and it's very time-consuming to get it right. Home pin. All right, cool. Man, look, every weekend I go out, and me and my boys, we talk about about wiring harness frames. No, nothing cooler, man. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Look, there's a ton that goes into a pinball machine. I don't envy anyone who decides to make it. Um, Home pin, these guys... You know, look, it's January of 2018. It's another one of these, like, you'll see it when? Who knows? I know that when we do see it, it's going to come out in 2018 with orange DMD dots. That is all you need to know about all the time, money, and effort that went into a game. It's like releasing a car in 2018 with no ABS brakes, no traction control, and no not like no fuel injection like it just just remove the stuff that actually signifies you understand the innovations that are available to you all right i don't know stick a fork in these guys right all right so let me talk about magic girl because it's gone the pain of magic girl is gone i think many of you have experienced the elation and more positive outlook i've had on this hobby since i've sent magic girl away and I want to just give you like my honest, candid feedback about this machine. I apologize to Robert Mooney in advance as he's trying to sell his for $22,500. But here's the thing. The albatross, it's off my shoulder. And I think I did the world a favor 
by being honest and candid about this machine. Think about it. Think about the videos I put up on YouTube. No one else has, has done anything since. The reason why, possibly, is because there's nothing new to say. But I opened up the box, I was excited, and I had a game in front of me that I wanted so badly because I did believe that John Papa Duke was, was, was a magic maker that he was a designer that approached pinball like nobody else. His previous titles still hold their weight. After all these years, there are still games that are some of the most beautiful, most amazingly designed pinball machines because John Papaduke understood that pinball is a game that should be magical, right? I do, like, when you read John's, like, insanity when he posts now, he he does believe in the silver ball's power to do something magical, that a ball should, something should happen in the game that makes you feel like something magical happened, right? Whether it's magnets and that disappear, whether it's shooting star outlane saves and toting, whether it's the theater of magic box, you know, stuff happens in his games that just wasn't happening in pinball so when he said he wanted to come back with these these games we went bonkers you guys went bonkers people were expecting a lot now i think the easiest way to think about magic girl and the the the, the john papaduke story is very simple i i think you know not only did john papaduke bite off more than he could chew when it came to creating a pinball company from scratch i think that shows an, an unbelievable level of arrogance of arrogance to think that he solely could replace the army of people that made his games work, that designed his games, that built his games, that engineered his games. He really put himself above all of those people at Bally Williams who made his games great. And then look what happened when he went and did it on his own. He quickly realized that there are so many logistical things that he could just never figure out. Now, I think John is the designer. And what I mean by that, I think he conceptualizes a pinball machine. But then when it goes to actually making a pinball machine, he's clueless. The mechanisms on Magic Girl don't work. They don't work. They don't function. They don't operate. And it just shows that John Papaduke, when it comes to the physical things that have to go into a machine, he has no clue. I think nothing is more embarrassingly bad in Magic Girl than the, splitting, the spinning black disc on the left outlane, okay? It's jinx, it's the jinx is on, right? So that thing is supposed to spin the ball and create some sort of chaos, whether the ball goes outlane or back out into the game it almost 100% of the time goes into the outlane because there is, because John clearly didn't test that mechanism with any real pinball play because when the ball has any velocity, it just flies right over it. He then ships the Magic Girls. This is what the most mind-boggling thing to me. He ships the Magic Girls, the only mechanism that actually functions, there's two of them. One is the... Um, the magnet save on the right outlane area, but that doesn't really work. Like it never really grabs the ball when you want it to. It just, it only when the ball is slowly moving in that area, does it grab it. Okay, that actually, it just it's just a magnet turning on, so that works. But the levitation chamber, the king's chamber that levitates, 
right? You saw me in my YouTube video. We actually, if you if you if you hit it and you hold the ball up, it actually goes up. Now, when he designed Magic Girl, he he designed a little ramp in the prototype that actually allows the ball to go up into that chamber. He sent the American Pinball version of Magic Girl out to consumers without that ramp, and not it didn't even have the holes to put the little ramp so people could add it. So he basically knew he was sending people something that would never function. And I'm not even talking about the big center mechanism that does absolutely nothing, where the ball falls out of the middle magnum flip area. Even if you hold the ball and throw it around the back, it falls off and into the pop bumpers. The whole thing is a joke. It's a joke. It is a, uh, it is a cathedral built on quicksand. It looks impressive and does nothing. And because of that, because of that, it is mind-boggling that John Papaduke has another chance to get it right. Now look, I mean, everything can be... I don't think they're going to fix the Magic Girls. I don't think they're going to take what John did and just like improve it. Uh, I, I think they're going to start over, and I think they're going to make a working pinball game happen on top of just the art that everyone loved. Speaking of art, I think John Papaduke is a man who hid behind Zombietti's talents and the talents of Matt Andrews. He put the icing on a cardboard cake, and when you asked him to cut you a slice, he said, trust me, trust me, the cake's amazing, but look at the icing, and that's all he did. He paraded around the hobby with beautiful icing and beautiful artwork for years to deflect people's questions about the actual functioning pinball machine. He also suckered so many people in the hobby to give him parts for free with the promise of a machine. He got the game coded without paying for the full services of apple juice. And the game is a joke. I mean, it's, 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 it's a joke. The code is a joke. Think about it like this. Magic Girl has no animations. It is just music with still images and score, and they couldn't even code it to work. The whole thing, it is simply a blinking box of lights work of art. If you own a bunch of pinball machines, I, I, I still think it's a story to be told, and it's you can flip it. Like Playing a Magic Girl is an experience, but if you... If you follow the story to the very end, I think Magic Girl, I think Skit B, I think Highway Pinball, and I think Dutch Pinball. I put all four of these companies in the same box, and I think they all four of them have managed to do one thing and one thing only. They have destroyed the promise of boutique pinball for people. They have added more harm and more pain and more suffering to this hobby than it deserved. And pinball is an amazing thing. It's an amazing device. It's an amazing toy. And there is an amazing amount of work that goes into making a pinball machine. If you don't think so, Google Batman 66 pinball manual. Go through any Stern manual, as much as you want to talk shit. Look at every single piece and every single part that goes into making a pinball machine, right? That has to go in the right order, has to be assembled, it has to be soldered, it has to be put in place, screwed in, thousands of pieces, okay? 
And I think Stern Pinball, people have crapped on them for way too long. Stern, Jersey Jack, Spooky, you know, Chicago Gaming, and now American Pinball. You're going to send people games when they're made. They're not going to lose your money. But the boutique companies, what sucks about what they did is, is I really think, I really think the pinball industry needed more boutique presence to get the quality higher on some of the, you know, some of the Stern machines. But look, I mean, Stern's staying in business. But boutique always has a special place in all hobbies, in all industries. You know, and it's the perfect industry for boutique to succeed. And it sucks that the people who grabbed the boutique reins, they screwed everybody. They screwed everybody. And now we're, look at us where we're at now. I mean, Pinside nowadays is a shadow of the exciting place it was three years ago. I mean, I, there's no denying it. I mean, I'm bored reading Pinside. I feel like so many good people have left the site. It's the same dingleberries in every thread that are just patting themselves on the back. Like, you know who you are. It's, I mean, it's the guys who are like obsessed with Pinside. Um, the guys who are, who, are, who are like pre-ordered on these machines for four years with nowhere else to go but there for some solace. But it's not the same. This hobby is not the same. And I, I really do. I encourage all of you to add additional balance and hobbies to your life because it's not worth it. The excitement, the pinball resurgence, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not buying it. If it's happening out in public by operators, then that's great. That's where it should happen. Have a few beers, pump $20 into pinball machines, and then go home and work out and love your significant other and have your money put aside for important things in life. But man, there's like, because you know, here's the thing is like collectors, none of you out there, none of you really own anything truly special because you're one shot at owning something that was worth collecting was the boutique offering and it screwed you. It screwed you. Now they're remaking everything. Now like Kingpin's gonna be remade. The one shot that real, the, the real thing that collectors wanted was a pinball company to come out and say like, we're gonna make the big Lebowski, here it is, it's amazing. We're only making 400 and that's it and the game's incredible and only 400 exist. You know, if there's, if there's any window, if there's any company that is listening to this right now, the white space that continues to be ignored in this hobby is a boutique manufacturer to become the Ferrari, Lamborghini, Bugatti of pinball to come out and make a very low limited run game that is absolutely stunning, that is unique, and that is what John Papaduke promised. When, when Deep Root comes out and says, well, we're going to make as many Magic Girls as we can and we're going to price them like Kias, I lost all interest in that company. All interest. Nobody, no collector, if they're honest, wants to just have something that everybody has. I say this as like the demon is coming. Only 3,000. That's why it's special. If Dodge made 30,000 demons, nobody would give a shit. All right. That's episode 193 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'll talk to you guys real soon. And for those of you who are supposed to come on the show, my friend in Australia with the P3, we're going to make it happen. 
and David, you're also coming on the show. We're going to make it happen. I, um, I've just been busy. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not this like incons- incon- inconsistent with my interviews and talking to you. I've just been busy. I've been tired and I've needed a break, but I, I'm glad for all of you who listen. I, I really am. All, I get like new Facebook friend requests all the time from people who say, I love the show, right? And only half of those people are family members, right? Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah.